Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Here with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. Maybe you've been reading the Bible and things have come up and you're not sure about them or you have some questions, we'd love to discuss those with you and hopefully uh, bring clarity to some of those issues if we can. So give us a call on that. Number is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. And we're also here to pray for your prayer requests. So if there's something going on in your life that you'd like pastoral or biblical counsel on we're we would love to talk with you we'd love to pray with you as well so if you have a prayer request give us a call let us know how we can be praying for you let us know what's weighing heavily on your heart or something going on in your life we'd love to lift that up to the lord together with you over the air along with all those who are tuning in today we want to welcome you who are listening uh, no matter where you're listening from so whether you're listening here in colorado or wyoming on uh, grace fm 89.7 here in the northern part of the state, 101.7 down in the southern part of the state. We want to welcome those of you who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and into parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program. We're so glad that you're with us. Just a reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee, so on Hope FM and Truth FM, just a reminder that you're hearing the program on a one-week delay, so please keep that in mind, but we would love for you to still call in and be part of the show, and then you guys kind of have a unique opportunity where you get to tune in a week later, listen to yourself on the air, maybe you share that with some friends, tell some friends to tune in, it's a great way also to get word out about the show. But those of you who are tuning in here in Colorado and Southern Wyoming on Grace FM, you're hearing the show live as well as those of you who are tuning in on the internet. So if you don't have our app yet, I really recommend that you go get it. Go get it in our uh, or in your device's app store. It's totally free and we would love for you to have that on your phone. It's just a great resource for you to be able to uh, jump on, tune in over your phone or your tablet anywhere in the world. And we have listeners who tune in from all over the world. For example, right now I see that we have one listener tuning in in South Africa and, uh, and a lot of people tuning in outside of our broadcast range. From It look, looks like uh, Washington State, um, Great Lakes area, East Coast, as well as Texas, and looks like we have a listener right now in Las Vegas. So a lot of people with the app and a lot of people going on also just to the website. So if you just go to gracefm.com, you can listen right there in your browser as well. So however you're tuning in today, welcome to the program. We're so glad that you're with us. Again, this is the show where you can tune in with your questions about the Bible or anything that's going on in your life. We would love to pray with you and pray for you, and we'd love to 
answer some of those questions that you have. So give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us 720-336-0897. Looks like we also have a listener in Nairobi, Kenya. So welcome to those of you tuning in all over the world online, as well as those of you tuning in over the air today. We're so glad that you're with us. Uh, the vision behind this show is to give you a place where you can uh, call in with your prayer requests, with your prayer needs, as well as your questions about the Bible. We're here to answer those for you. I want to um, just give you a few words about who I am. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And um, we're a church up here in this part of Boulder County, a little bit into Weld County. Um, we are you know, serving this kind of central northern Colorado, north metro up in the northern Colorado region. And I have been the pastor here for eight years. Um, I didn't start the church. I took over the church. It was already in existence, but I've been the pastor for eight years. And um, God's been doing some great things over the past eight years. It's been a great uh, season. It's been a pleasure to be part of it. And uh, I would love it if you are in this part of the state, that if you would uh, come and worship with us sometime. Right now, of course, no churches are meeting physically. And, uh, and maybe that's an opportunity for you to worship with us online. So right now, all of our services are online. Today, of course, is Good Friday, and we have um, a Good Friday service, which is going to be at 6 o'clock tonight, Mountain Time, so that's in about just under two hours from right now. And if you'd like to tune in for that, let me give you that places where you can. You can tune in on our YouTube channel or our Facebook page. So if you go to YouTube, and it's YouTube slash Whitefields, or YouTube.com slash Whitefields Church, or you can go to facebook.com slash whitefieldschurch, and that'll bring you to our page. And at 6 o'clock, you'll be able to watch our service on there. And maybe the simplest way for you to find our videos online is for you to go to our website, which is whitefieldschurch.com, whitefieldschurch.com. And you will be able to, on there, whenever we have a video goes up, um, it's also on our website, as well as a link to watch on the channels live. And so I hope that this Good Friday finds you well and that you are praising Jesus. Um, I've got a few thoughts for Good Friday in just a few minutes. But uh, first, let's go to our first caller, Sheila in Lancaster, PA. Hi, Sheila. Welcome to the program. Hi. I just want to um, say thanks for this radio station and um, that there are people out there right now uh, really speaking. Um, I had a girl at work. Uh, she was like, oh, I think this is the end times. And I said, well, uh, it's probably close. And she's like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know whether I'm going to get there or not. I said, well, do you believe that Jesus died for you? Mm. Yeah. I said, do you believe that you're a sinner and saved by grace? Yes. And uh, so I assured her that she uh, is going to heaven. Mm. And uh, uh, so that's a, a praise yeah. for for uh, for her that I was able to um, assure her that heaven is hers if that's what she believes. Wow, that's great. You know, yeah. I I uh, I've been experiencing some of that same stuff myself. I had a friend from high school call me just a few days ago, and I mean, really concerned, like really seriously, saying some of the same stuff that 
uh, this coworker of yours was saying, you know, feels like we're, this is the end of the world, you know, what am I going to do? Um, what's going on? And I'm not sure that I'm okay and all these things. And was able to point him to the Lord. Um, and yeah, God's doing some good things, you know. Um, I'll tell you an interesting story. A few years ago, I got invited to speak at a conference in Finland. And so I went and spoke at this conference in Finland. And I was talking to the pastor who was hosting the conference. We were sitting in his office and just kind of asking about the spiritual state of Finland, which, as you might know, is, you know, one of the more wealthy countries in the world, kind of really high standard of living. And he said that, you know, in some ways he wants God to bless Finland. But in other ways, um, it seems that as they've gotten more uh, wealthy as a country, that people have become more complacent spiritually. And uh, he said the last big awakening and revival that took place in Finland was during World War II. And he said, I don't know if it's the right thing to do, but he goes, sometimes I'm just praying that God would, you know, remove his hand of protection from our country and let there be a crisis so that people would wake up spiritually. So well, maybe I, now he's feeling it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, but I know that it's the yeah, case no. all over the world where people, you know, were faced with the immediacy, the imminence of death, and uh, we can't avoid it. You know, I just read a statistic that said that more people have died in New York City from this outbreak than died in 9-11. And yeah. So, and so let's pray and ask God to use this time in a really uh, amazing way. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Sheila. Thank you for how you used her in her workplace to um, to minister to her coworker. We pray for her coworker that she truly would have the assurance that as a child of God, she needs to fear nothing because uh, she is more than a victor in Christ Jesus who loves her and who died for her and rose again. So Lord, we pray that she would have that assurance. She would have that faith. And Lord, we also uh, want to ask Lord, that during this time, this time of death, this time of suffering, this time of financial instability and social upheaval, Lord, we pray that you would use this and that there would be a great revival at this time. We pray that in the future, this time that we're living right now would not be remembered as the great pandemic of 2020, but it would be remembered as the great revival of 2020. We pray that there would be many people who in the future would say, I came to know the Lord during the coronavirus pandemic. And Lord, we pray that you would use this in a great way. Um, Lord, we, we know that we're not, we don't rejoice in sickness. We don't rejoice in death or bad things. Lord, we know that you yourself uh, came to end these things forever. And yet, Lord, you tell us, um, in, like in James chapter 1, verse 2, to count it all joy when we face various kinds of trials because, Lord, you use those things in our lives. And Lord, we pray that um, you would use this to bring many people to a saving knowledge of you and to bring them, maybe they've been on the fence, maybe they've been putting it off. Lord, use this to break through those things. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You bet. God bless you, Sheila. Bye-bye. God bless you, too. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We're here to take your prayer requests. We're here to um, 
talk with you and hopefully answer some questions you might have about the Bible. So if you have Bible questions, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call, 303-690-3000 or text us, 720-336-0897. Let me tell you about a cool thing that I've been a part of for the last two weeks, which is on Calvary Chapel's Facebook page. So it's like Facebook slash Calvary, facebook.com slash Calvary Chapel. Um, they have been hosting with a lot of the Calvary Global Network leaders around the world. We've been doing this thing called Prayer Around the World. And for the past 15 days, we've done 24 hours of live prayer uh, every day, right? So uh, not 24 hours total, but 24 hours a day, live prayer around the world, where in every time zone, everybody's taking one hour, all these different Calvary Chapel pastors and leaders around the world, taking one hour and leading prayer, fielding prayer requests, and so it's been going for 15 days straight. And I got to tell you, it is a little bit tiring um, to be the, you know, one of the people doing this. But I got to tell you, it's so worth it. There have been a couple of times where I thought, OK, I'm not going to not going to do this. Uh, you know, I'm going to bow out or something like that. But so many good things have been happening through that. There's been so much good fruit. Just the other day, I was leading it and um, a woman came on. And she had been invited by somebody else, you know, because on social media you can share stuff really easily. So she comes on, and I'm praying for people to be saved during this coronavirus crisis. And so she writes in the comments and says, I would like to be saved. How can I be saved? And um, I was able to pray with her right there um, through the Internet and lead her in a prayer of repentance and receiving God's grace. And it was just so glorious and so good. And so two things I want to say about that. Number one... I would encourage you guys, get over there to Calvary Chapel's Facebook page and participate in this hour of live prayer that's going on. If you want to pray with me, we're, we're taking off this weekend. Last, last two weekends, we did it through the weekend. We're taking off this weekend, but starting next Monday, going through next Friday, we're going to be doing this again. And my time slot is 1 p.m. Mountain Time. So if you want to pray with me on there, 1 p.m. Mountain Time. The second thing I want to say about this is, if there are any of you who are listening today on Grace FM or Truth FM or Hope FM, wherever you're listening from, and you would like to receive the Lord, then give us a call or write us a text message, and I'd be happy to lead you in that kind of prayer of salvation and receiving God's grace uh, here on the airwaves as well. So I'll put that out there, and I'd love to hear from you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand, or text us seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to our next caller, Michael in Maryland. Hi, Michael. Hey, how's Welcome it going, Pastor? Doing great. What's up? Hey, I have a question for you. Um, you know, and it's about the rapture. Uh, our church okay. does Bible study. Uh, I'm a Catholic, and uh, we have some pretty interesting discussions. And some of the people are a little more, I guess doctrinaire about not believing there's such a thing as the rapture. But I've thought about it, and I've heard you know, I listen quite often to your show when I'm driving back and forth, and I've thought, in the Gospel, I'm not exactly sure where, but where Jesus talks about uh, two women will be grinding, one will be taken, one will be left. Two men will be working in the field, one will be taking, one will be left. And as I've thought about that over the years, that sure sounds a lot like the rapture to me. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, so I do think that that is referring to the rapture. Um, there are two, I would say this, you know what I think is the best argument for the rapture is, of course, verses like this, which allude to it. But I think that we don't build doctrines on one or two verses, as you know. 
And um, and so we take a verse like this, and we want to take that in context of an entire teaching that we find throughout the Bible. Now, I, I myself have kind of gone back and forth, you know, over the years, like um, as questioning the rapture, not questioning the rapture. Here's where I land on this whole discussion, is that um, I think that if you look through the Bible and you build a biblical doctrine, um, I think that you you would find a lot of evidence and a, a make a really strong argument for the rapture. And actually what I think builds the best case for the rapture is um, you, you take these verses in light of other things, right? And so the biggest thing for me is this precedent that we see throughout the Bible that God does not, when God brings judgment, he doesn't judge the, the righteous at the same time as the wicked. Now in some cases, that the righteous suffer the consequences of the judgment of the wicked. So, for example, in the time of the Exodus, when the ten plagues came, right, the first several plagues only affected the Egyptians, but then some of the plagues affected also the Egyptians and the Israelites. So there, there's something to be said for that, but I, I think the bigger precedent is this. In the case of Noah, when God judges the world, and remember that the judgment of Noah is told to us in the New Testament, like in Peter's letters particularly, the judgment in Noah's time is said to be a foreshadowing of the ultimate judgment which is to come uh, when God not only destroys um, people's lives physically, but he also judges the soul. So that to say that in the time of Noah, look what happened. There was an opportunity for repentance. Those who repented did not participate in the judgment of God upon the earth. Okay, then there's another example, which is not too long after that, which is the story of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot is pulled out of Sodom and Gomorrah. His family doesn't go through the judgment of God upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And so if we would say that what is happening, like in Revelation, and when we read about the tribulation that is to come, it would make a lot of sense that... Um, this precedent would continue. In fact, it says that in, I believe it's 1 Thessalonians, that God does not judge the righteous with the wicked. Uh, the other thing that makes a really good argument for the rapture that I think is pretty convincing is the whole point that the book of Revelation is not just kind of a haphazard bunch of, you know, varied stories all mashed up together, but that it has a narrative plot line and it has, uh, it follows a consecutive order. Right, or I guess the word to think of it is chronology. It's chron chronological. And actually there is an outline given for the book of Revelation in the first chapter of Revelation, which tells us that it's going to be chronological. Right? It says um, John is having this revelation of Jesus, and Jesus says, write down the things that are, the things that, um, sorry, the things that were, the things that are, and the things that will be. Okay, so what are the things that are? Well, the things that are is the first chapter, the revelation of Jesus Christ, this vision he had. Okay, what are the things that are? That speaks of the current time period, and that is talking about the seven letters to the seven churches, right? We live in the age, the church age right now. And then the third part, the things which are to come. Of course, in Greek, this is the words meta tauta, the things that happen after this. And here's what's so interesting. Chapter 1, right, the things that were. Chapter 2 and 3, the things that are, the age of the church. And then chapter 4 begins with these words in Greek, meta-tauta, right? So there's a chronology 
Metatauta means after these things, I saw, you know, he says, I heard a trumpet, and he says, I was caught up into heaven. And then John, having been caught up into heaven, along with many other people, he watches the events taking place on earth as God pours out judgment upon the earth. What is John experiencing there? What's that trumpet? What John is experiencing is the rapture. So he's, you know, being given a vision of the future in which he is experiencing the rapture with other believers. And then from the vantage point of heaven, they are watching what's happening on earth as God is bringing judgment upon the earth. And he watches it from that vantage point. So those two things together, in my opinion, are the strongest argument for the rapture, um, I think, in the Bible. Does that help, Hello? Michael? Yes, it does. Thank you. Yeah, I really do. And, and I, Yeah, and, and to me, that's, I guess I said, I listen to you on the radio when I'm driving to and from, and it makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, I'm just glad to get clarification on that. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Yeah, God bless you, Michael. I'm glad that you guys are studying the Bible. You too, and have a great Easter. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts, your questions on the air. We have all open lines right now. It's a great time to call in with your questions about the Bible or questions about life, other things in general that you'd like pastoral, spiritual advice on, biblical advice. Give us a call. The number is 303 Six nine zero three thousand. It's three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Hey, let me tell you about another cool thing. Is we're waiting for those calls to come in. Our church here in Longmont recently moved, so we were um, planning on you know having our services already in our new building. Uh, but that, of course, has not been possible. So our big grand opening is just being pushed back. That's okay. We're, when we are able to meet in there, we would love to have many of you come and uh, celebrate with us when we are able to get into our new space and have our services there. For the time being, we are um, we are filming in there, uh, our services online. Yeah, but we're really, really looking forward to the time when we can fill it up with kids and we can fill it up with youth and we can be having our school of ministry there. So please pray for us, Whitefields Church. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. Check us out on social media um, and, of course, YouTube, Facebook, all those great places. And be praying for us. But our new address is 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. And so we are just east of Highway 119 and uh, county Road 1. That's Weld County Road 1. So it's um, just east, which is called County Line Road up here. So we're just east of County Line Road and Highway 119, and we'd love to uh, have you come and worship with us sometime when that's a possibility. But until then, we'd love it if you'd check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to our next caller, Christina in Aurora. Hi, Christina. Welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. Um, yeah. Yes, I have a question does the Bible say anything specifically about the rapture and pregnant women and small children during that time? Um, no. There's there's one thing it says. You know, it talks about the fleeing of Jerusalem during the time of tribulation, which was to come. And he says, you know, pray that you are not, pray that it doesn't happen on a Sabbath, or that, um, he says, alas, you know, or basically woe for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Now, I'll just be clear that 
when it, I, when it speaks about that, there's two options about what that's speaking about. It is possible that what that's speaking about is the time of tribulation when the Jewish people are going to be fleeing Jerusalem into what's likely to be the country of Jordan, and they're fleeing you know, this uh, great persecution that is coming against them in the city of Jerusalem. I think that's very likely. Another uh, thing that this could be referring to, which I think is less likely, but it's also a widely held opinion, is that this was Jesus pointing forward to something that would happen only a few years later. Um, and that was something where uh, the Romans under uh, Titus, they came in and they sacked Jerusalem. And that happened in the year 70 AD. So either way, though, this is speaking to Jewish people in Jerusalem about them needing to flee. Uh, it even says those who are in Judea, right? So um, I'm guessing that you're not calling from Judea. I think I actually saw you're calling from Aurora. So I think you're yeah. going to be fine from that vantage point. Um, but if you're wondering, you know, will little children be raptured? That's a good question. I don't think that's answered directly, but I think there are things we can infer. And I think the inference that we would make would be that we would say, yes, because they fall under the category of the innocents, right? So that's a term that's used mm -hmm. in the Bible to describe them. And um, the, the teaching on innocence is essentially this. Again, this is a little fuzzy. It's not super clear, but there's enough that we can make some at least um, tentative conclusions. And the tentative conclusion would be this that God has special mercy for those who are in that category of the innocents, uh, meaning children. I would also put in that category those with like severe developmental disabilities. And so, um, you know, in the case of, you know, if children die, so this is something that we see in the Old Testament, right, with, um, with you know, children dying, things like that. We see it with David. He has a child who dies in infancy. And mm -hmm. um, he is convinced that this child will be with him in eternity, in the new life. Um, and so it's this idea that God has mercy on these children who, though they are born with a sinful nature, they haven't yet reached the point of understanding the, the idea of faith in God and faith in the rede Redeemer and in Jesus' work. And so God has mercy on them. So that's the idea. But again, there, there's some debate around that. I would say the best thing we can do is try to help our children understand and believe the gospel at as early an age as possible. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. God bless you. You too. Bye -bye. All right, bye-bye. Listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We'd love to hear from you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Today is Good Friday. And just give you a few thoughts on that as we come up to our break. Just a very short amount of time. One of the things I've always found interesting about Good Friday is that there are so many things that are talked about in the story of, of uh, Jesus' crucifixion, which are just kind of put out there and not a lot of explanations given, but there are things that we can kind of dig into and we can see that they're actually very meaningful. For example, one of the things that I often think about is this idea that why is it that they put a crown of thorns on Jesus' head? 
Well, from the perspective of the people who did it, let's let's acknowledge they were doing it to mock him and to hurt him. Uh, sometimes in Israel, you can see these branches that have these very long thorns. I mean, two and a half, three inches long sometimes. And so what they did is they wove some of those together and they forced them down upon his head, which caused him to bleed, of course, and of pain. It was a way of mocking him because, of course, uh, he was being executed as being a rival king to Caesar, right? Someone who was claiming to be the rightful king of the Jews and was being rejected by both the Jews and the Romans. And so the thing, though, that I think that can be missed is this. That if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, when people fell into sin, what was the curse of sin? One of the curses was symbolized by thorns. It said the plants will now bear thorns. So what we see with Jesus is that on Good Friday, that he took upon himself our curse, the curse of sin, so that we could be healed. That's a great message, and I hope you take that to heart this Good Friday. Hey, we've come up on a two-minute break. We'll be right back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. We'd love to pray for you, pray with you. We'd love to answer your questions about the Bible. So give us a call. The number to call 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000 or text us 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Ted in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Ted. Welcome to the program. Hey, how are you today? Doing great. What's up? Okay, so I got a couple questions. The first is, I kind of heard you saying something about the strongest arguments for the pre-trib rapture, and I just wondered if you could just kind of reiterate that. Yeah, no problem. I actually had a text message, um, so I can kind of knock out two birds with one stone. This uh, I got this text message from Clint in Louisiana. So, Clint, if you're still with us, uh, this was your question as well. Yeah, so um, basically I said this. And the verse I was quoting, I give you the wrong address for it. So it was Genesis 18:25, and what's happening there in Genesis 18 is that uh, Abraham is praying for the city of, um, he's interceding for the city of Sodom, which of course was a wicked place, and he's interceding for it, but here's what he says, far be it from you, God, to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And God says, okay, so I'm not going to judge the righteous with the wicked. And the solution that ends up being the solution, God still ends up judging Sodom. But the way that he deals with this issue is that he pulls the righteous. And again, it is very surprising that Lot is considered righteous. And of course, he's referred to in, um, I believe it's First Peter, as well as in um Hebrews 11, as righteous Lot, which is just uh, odd because it doesn't seem in Genesis that he's a righteous person. But uh, he was one of these unrighteous person, people like you and me who is declared righteous by God on the basis of faith, not on the basis of works. Okay, all that to say, 
this verse, Genesis 18.25, talks about God not um, judging the righteous and the wicked in the same way and not judging them together. Okay, and so what, what happens is God takes Lot out of Sodom before he judges Sodom. The other one that we see is that God extracts Noah from the world before he judges the world. And so when we see these temporal judgments taking place in which God is judging um, the world, right, or judging a, a city in some cases, we see that he will often extract the righteous. And what I believe this to be is a pattern which points forward to how the great tribulation is going to take place as well. That God will extract um, those who are his before he brings the the temporal judgment upon the earth. Of course, during which time people still have the opportunity to repent. Okay, cool. All right. And then um, I thought you said something about John at the end. Yeah, like so I that was the other. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no worries. So that was the one is that we see this pattern through the um, through the Bible, right, the, of God extracting, not judging the righteous with the wicked. The other one is this. If you turn with me to Revelation chapter 1, it says in verse 19, um, Jesus, you know, Revelation chapter 1, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ to John. Okay, so in chapter 1, he says, this is the vision that I had of Jesus Christ. And he writes it down. And Jesus speaks to him in chapter 1 and says a few things, right? He says, write what you see in the book, send it to the seven churches, etc. But then he goes on in verse 19 of chapter 1 to say this, write therefore the things that you have seen, the things that are, and the things that will take place after this. Okay, what I believe and what, what many people believe, right? This isn't just like my idea, is that this is basically an outline for the rest of the book. And here's what it looks like. The things that were, and so that would be chapter 1, which is the things that happened in the past, John's vision of Jesus. Okay, the things that are, now that would encompass chapters 2 and 3, which are the letters to the seven churches, right? And so uh, the way that pertains to us, I believe these were actual churches. But I also know that we are in a age, you could call it a dispensation. I try to avoid the term dispensation because it's tied to some things which... Um, get murky so let's just call it an age right an age of the church that's what we're in right now uh, you could think of it in terms of what jesus called it the age of the gentiles the time of the gentiles um, and then he says the things that are to play take place after this and again in greek after this is the is the words uh, meta tauta okay so then, you know, you read chapter 2, you read chapter 3. Here's the seven letters to the seven churches. Chapter 4, verse 1. After this, in Greek, meta tauta. So it seems to be a pretty clear outline. And that the after this takes place, the meta tauta, the things that are to take place later on, takes place beginning in verse 1 of chapter 4. And from that point on, we are talking about the future. Okay, so... This, in theological terms, is what's called a futurist interpretation of Revelation. And um, what we have here is this. He says, I looked, behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice I heard speaking to me like a trumpet. Now, that's interesting because in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it talks about, you know, there will be the sound of a trumpet and we will be caught up and we will be with him forever which, of course, is one of the passages, you know, caught up is the word uh, raptizo in Latin, from which we get our concept of the rapture. 
So some people would say the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, it depends what language you're reading, right? Because it is, it's just that we translate that word caught up instead of raptured. But it's the same thing. I mean, look, everybody believes in a rapture. The question is, when, when does the rapture take place in relation to other things, right? Because the word rapture is in the Bible, uh, depending on what language you're reading in. So... Mm -hmm. This is the pre-tribulational rapture. And here's why I believe it's pre-tribulational, because I read Revelation in a chronological fashion, which I believe is the way that Revelation is meant to be read, based on Revelation 119. And he says, you know, he hears his trumpet, he gets caught up, he says, come up here, I will show you what may, must take place. Again, what's the word? After this, meta tauta. And then what happens? From that vantage point up in heaven, along with a multitude of other believers... John watches the events that take place on earth w in which God pours out his judgment upon the earth. So I believe that what we're reading there is the tribulation period. But the believers yeah. are in heaven while that's taking place. Now, there are certainly believers who are on the earth during that period, but that's not surprising to us because, again, it's possible to repent and be saved during that period still. In fact, that's kind of part of the purpose of it. It's to meant to be mm -hmm. a big wake-up call for a lot of people who are putting things off. Okay. All right. Perfect. So so it's funny because uh, when I gave my life to Christ, like, I don't know, seven or so years ago, and then I started having dreams and prophecies and visions since 2015, and um, I believe that's exactly what the Lord has told me, and would you say that a lot of other people are saying, you know, like Acts 2.17 is happening, Joel 2, like so many people nowadays, you know, would you say you believe that's probably going on right now? Okay, so that's a, that's another question. Uh, let me just uh, answer that for you. So is it happening now? Yeah. Are we living in the end times? Yes, but keep in mind, we have been living in the end times for almost 2,000 years. Now, let's put it this way. You can think of the end times in this way. And the reason is, again, this is just going off what the Bible is saying. If you look at Joel 2, Joel says that these things will happen in the end times. People will speak in tongues. Uh, women will dream dream. Your old men will dream dreams. Yeah, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. These things will happen in the last days. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Okay, but remember that that's quoted in Acts chapter 2. And Peter says on the day of Pentecost, people say, look, these people are drunk, right? Because they're speaking the mighty works of God in languages which they didn't previously know. And so they're speaking these mighty works of God and they say, look, it's nine o'clock in the morning and these people are drunk. And then Peter goes out on the balcony and he speaks to this crowd that's down in the street below. And he says, we are not drunk as you presume. Rather, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit in all flesh, etc. What's Peter saying? He's saying that with, and there's a little bit of debate over this, when did the end times start? Did they start with Jesus' ascension? Did they start with the day of Pentecost? I think either of those could be correct, but it's about the same time, right? So um, what Peter's saying is that what you're seeing here is 
the end times. So think about it like this. The, the timeline of history was racing like a linear, in a linear fashion towards a cliff. Let's call it a cliff, right? Let's call that, that cliff represents the end of the world, the end of the age, the end of all things. So we're racing just in a straight line towards that point. But now what has happened with the end times and with the ascension of Jesus or the day of Pentecost is that we have taken essentially a right turn. So we've run up to the end times, right to the edge. We've taken a right turn, and now we're running parallel to it. And however we run parallel to it, we're running parallel to it for however long God determines, which none of us knows, as Jesus told us. And then at some point, we will you know, turn back in that linear way, and then that will be the end. So I would say that. Are we living in end times? Of course. Uh, are these things taking place? Of course they still are because we're still living in the end times. Um, but does that mean that it's going to happen next week? I have no idea. Does it mean it could be next week? It could be 10 years from now? It could be longer. I don't know. And uh, But I do know that we're right on the precipice. We're right on the edge. And it could happen at any moment. And that is what Christians have believed for 2,000 years as well. That, that it can happen at any moment. And we should always be ready. Right, like a thief in the night. Our house got robbed one time when we lived in another place, and the thieves did not call ahead and say, hey, we'll be over at uh, 7.30 on Tuesday. Um, the only way to be prepared for a thief is to always be ready. So that's what we should do. Yeah, I would, I would agree for sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, though, when you study the Bible and you really seek the Lord, uh, how he changes your life and anyway you know there's just some specific things like this generation will not pass mm. and you know Damascus and all that so i i think you're right you know just there's no better time to be ready be ready because uh you never know right that's for sure yeah all right sir well hey thank you so much i greatly appreciate that and i hope you have a wonderful evening awesome god bless you bye-bye hey you're listening to calvary live I'm Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. We're going to be having our Good Friday service in one hour and 15 minutes from right now. So we'd love for you to tune in uh, on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash whitefieldschurch. Or you can just go to our webpage and get the link in there, whitefieldschurch.com. If you're looking for a place to celebrate Good Friday and to celebrate what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Let's go to our next caller, Betty in Baltimore. Hi, Betty. Welcome to the program. Hello, Pastor. How are you doing? I've got a question for you. Um, I want your opinion on something. Um, it is Good Friday here in Baltimore. <clears throat> and uh, when they took Jesus down from the cross, okay, and then the, the point until he rises up on Sunday morning, where do you think he is at that at that span of time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, where did Jesus, what happened to Jesus during that time? Um, yeah, so short answer. I believe that, um, I, I believe along with the church tradition throughout the ages that Jesus descended into the lower regions. I don't know if you know this, but the um, Apostles' Creed was, I don't know if it was changed, or at least the, the translation of it into English was changed. 
to say that they used to say that he descended into hell. Now, w properly theologically speaking, we need to just bring a little clarity to what that means. Even in Latin and in Greek, uh, the word used there isn't the word for, for hell. It's the word for the lower regions. So here's what I would say the Bible teaches on this is that when Jesus died, his soul descended into the lower regions, which I don't believe is an actual geographical place as much as it is a spiritual realm, okay? And so here's what we have happening. You can see this, for example, in Luke chapter 16 with the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And that is this, that before people died, uh, before Jesus died and resurrected, what happened is that people went to what's called Sheol. Now, Sheol uh, in the Jewish understanding, you can see this, and it's mentioned like in the Psalms, right? Like my soul will go down to Sheol. If I descend into Sheol, is God not there, right? In Psalm 139. Okay, so Sheol, but we know, especially from Luke 16, that Sheol was the dwelling place of the dead, of the souls of the dead, but not they weren't all in one place. So Sheol was divided into two areas. And those two areas were called, respectively, Hades, which is hell. And the other area was called Abraham's bosom. And Abraham's bosom, it says there in Luke 16, was a place of comfort for those who died in faith, whereas um, Hades was a place of torment for those who died apart from faith. But keep in mind that Sheol, on both parts, Abraham's bosom and Hades, they, it's essentially a waiting room. It's a waiting room. So keep that in mind. Now, so what happens is that uh, you see, so you couldn't go, your soul couldn't be with God in heaven until you were redeemed, right? So it was a temporary holding place as the people's souls awaited the redemption that Jesus would accomplish through the cross. And so as Jesus, having completed his work on the cross, right, saying it is finished, his, he gives up his soul he is buried. His soul descends into the lower regions. What Jesus is doing is he's going down to Sheol and he is releasing the captives is the language that's used in the New Testament. He is releasing the captives, meaning those who were in Abraham's bosom. He is releasing them and leading them in his train is another thing we read. Uh, I believe it's First Peter, right? Where he goes, uh, he leads them up to leading them to heaven. So if you were to die today, with having put your faith in Jesus, having been born again, being a child of God, your soul would go to be with God in his presence. Okay, but if you were to die apart from faith, then those souls still go to um, Hades or hell. And keep in mind, that's, that's a waiting place. And so the end game for all of this is going to be this. In Revelation, we see that Hades is emptied into the lake of fire, okay? So that's important, meaning that Hades and hell still is a waiting place. It's a place of torment as they wait for the ultimate destiny, but the uh, ultimate destiny is that Hades and or hell is emptied into the lake of fire ultimately. Now, that also means that those who are in the souls in God's presence, that they're not done either, right? Their story isn't over either. It says that what there's gonna, what's going to happen is there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and we will receive 
heavenly bodies. Now, it is a matter of debate as to when we receive our heavenly bodies. Do we receive them when after the great judgment, before when we are you know, given the new heavens and the new earth, or do you receive them immediately when you die? My assumption is the first, that we receive them, you know, we receive our new bodies when we're ready for the new earth. But I've also heard good arguments saying that we receive them immediately. So I think that's still, you know, a matter of debate. But where did Jesus go during the time when he was in the grave? I believe his soul descended into lower regions as per the Apostles' Creed, and but not to hell per se. There is another way in which we could say, did Jesus go to hell? Yeah, because it says in Second Peter that he went there and he preached to the souls in Hades. Okay, what does that mean? So Jesus goes down to Sheol and he preaches a message of redemption, the good news that, hey, I've redeemed you to the souls in Abraham's bosom, those who died in faith awaiting redemption. But he preaches a message of further condemnation and conviction to those who are in um, hell. And he lead, uh, and so he leads those from Abraham's bosom up to heaven, those who are in hell. He tells them what he has done, and they stay there. So that's kind of a long answer, but I hope I, I answered your question. Yes, you did. I have um, one more question for you. Um, do you know the show Bewitched? Uh, it's a Elizabeth little bit. Montgomery? I've heard of it. Elizabeth Montgomery, okay. Is it wrong for me to watch that being a Christian? Yeah, I think if you can differentiate between comedy and art and, you know, comedy, art, and you can differentiate between the real spiritual realm, I think that's a fine line, you know? Can you watch, I think, a, a better maybe, you know, comparison today is shows like um, the, the Good Place, which is on Netflix, right? Like, it talks about demons and heaven and hell. I think if you can understand art, then you can watch it. I think if though something feels wrong about this, it feels wrong laughing about spiritual things, then I'd say don't watch it. So I'd say it's a matter of conscience. Um, if you don't feel good watching it, I would say definitely don't watch it because uh, you know to sin against your conscience, I believe, is to sin against God. Uh huh. Oh, okay. All right. But oh, if no, you I can watch it and feel... have a yeah, if you feel nothing and you watch it and you just have a great time and you love Jesus and you worship him, then I think you're okay. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Pastor. Those were my questions. If I have more, I'll call you back. Awesome. God bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. We've got two more callers and eight minutes left, so let's go right into it. Lalo in Loveland, Colorado. Hi, right. Lalo. Welcome to the program. Hey, let's say Calvary Live. Got yeah. Callers. Let's go right into it. Hey there, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How you doing, Pastor? Doing great. Um, What's up? I have uh, a Catholic family. I was raised Catholic, but I I was saved a while back, and we we argue. And uh, mm. one of the things we argue about is uh, why do they pray? They think they have the the right, not that they have the right, but why do they think they can pray to statues to uh, to intercede for them? When I yeah. tell them, you, you're not supposed to do that, you know? Yeah. So there's two two things that in play right here. One of them is what I would call folk religion. The other one is, is an actual Catholic tradition. Okay, so we need to differentiate between those two. Uh, I'll start with folk religion, um, and here's what that means. In a lot of parts of the world, especially parts of the world um, that are Catholic and Orthodox, um, 
they will have traditions develop which aren't necessarily the teachings of the Catholic Church, and yet they are the practices of the people. That's what we call folk religion. And, um, and so we see a lot of that with people praying to statues and maybe not understanding exactly how the Catholic Church even itself teaches on that. I think that happens a lot. So on the one hand, I think that's one argument you might make with them is to say, hey, look, even the Catholic Church would tell you that what you're doing is not good. You know, and um, and they might say, OK, this is our practice of tradition. This is what we were taught to do by, you know, family members and ancestors and stuff. And I think that's where you begin is to say, OK, well, that's actually not what the Catholic Church teaches. That's the one hand. The other thing is what the Catholic Church actually teaches. And here's what they teach on this subject, which, again, I don't agree with. And I don't think that you should either, which sounds like you don't. So um, here's what they teach is that statues and icons or iconography, right, these holy pictures is what they call them, that these things, they would say people are not praying to these things and they would not encourage anyone to actually pray to them. But they would say you praying through them, like the thing that you're looking at is you're not praying to it, but you're praying through it to the person it represents, which again, I also think is wrong. So I, I don't think that we should be doing either of those things, but it should be clear that the Catholic Church doesn't teach that you should pray to these things. It teaches that you should pray through them to, you know, Mary or to the saints. And their line of thinking basically goes like this. These people are in heaven. And don't you want more people praying for you? Well, if you ask them to pray for you, they don't have anything else to do. So they'll just pray for you all the time. And, um, and I would say, while... Somebody might hear that and say, well, that sounds like it makes sense. Okay, well, I could say a lot of things that sound like they make sense. It doesn't mean that they're biblical. And the question is, what is, and this is an important term, what is the rule of faith? Meaning, what is the standard of faith? Why do we do anything? Do we do it just because it sounds like a good idea? Or do we do it because we're, we let the Bible be our rule of faith that tells us how we should, what we should believe and how we should live out our faith in practice? Now, I would say, unequivocally, we need to let the Bible be our rule of faith. The problem in the, the Catholic Church, for example, and the Orthodox Church is that they, they would put their church traditions, which are not necessarily biblical in some cases, um, they would put them on the same level and in some cases even above the Bible as a rule of faith. So if you were to ask the Catholic Church, where do you get this idea that we should be praying to saints or Mary and asking them to pray to God for us, they would say, well, that's not in the Bible, but it doesn't need to be in the Bible because it's in our tradition and that's all that matters. And I would say that you could look at the words of Jesus and say that even he criticized the teachings of the Pharisees, which were not from the scriptures. Yeah, Mark 7, verse 8 says this, laying aside the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. That, that is Jesus himself saying, don't go by your traditions, but rather go by the word of God. So that's Mark 7, verse 8, just for reference. The other one, of course, 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. There is one God and one, how many? One mediator between God and mankind, the man, Jesus Christ. He doesn't say there's a multitude of mediators up there and you can choose which ones, you know, may find an obscure one who doesn't have anybody else to pray for and he can pray for you to God. No, 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 no. There is one God and there is one mediator, 
we pray to the Father through the Son in the power of the Spirit. So I would say that, uh, does that answer your question? I know I threw a lot at you. I hope I hope it was something you can work with. It, it, it does. I'm just trying to figure out, because, uh, you know, they always come back and with something. I'm like, that's not, you know, where did you get that? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's something else I could, I haven't told them yet. But, I mean... <clears throat> Well, yeah. let's start with those yeah, two verses. Mark 7, verse 8, and 1 Timothy 2, 5. I think that's it's the best thing. And then the point, point of Mark 7, 8 is really just to say this. Where do you get, where do you get your things from? Do, you, do we get them from the traditions of men? Or do we get them from the Word of God? And I think that, without question, Jesus himself is saying, don't go with the traditions of men, but go with the commandments of God. And if God says there's one mediator, then go with that. Even if something sounds like a good idea, or even if something has been a tradition, we go with the Word of God. That's just it. You know, I was raised Catholic. I know they don't do that. They, uh, my, 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 they get together and have Bible studies, but I'm not allowed to attend. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, God bless you, man. I hope that you have a, a great uh, Easter celebrating our risen Savior. Thank you, uh, Pastor. You too. Have a good day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, we have one minute left in the show. I want to um, pray for our last caller. Um, her name's Linda. Linda says, a friend has a severe addiction to pornography. What should her friend do? I would say there are a couple things. One is uh, repentance. The other one is accountability. Seek those out. Repentance and accountability. Bring that situation from the darkness out into the light. Not for everybody, but for some people. Ask them for help and ask God to set you free from those things. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Church in Longmont, Colorado. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. You can find my website, nickcady.org, and I'll be with you again next Friday. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.